0: Oh, God. Every day is another thing with this guy. I mean, the arrogance. His arrogance makes Hillary Clinton look humble. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, the guy who campaigns every three weeks, he stays home uh, the majority of the time. Everybody else uh, running was in Iowa this this weekend, but Joe Biden, because Joe Biden thinks he has this in the bag, which kind of reminds me of Hillary Clinton, who thought, you know, she was entitled to the nomination. Uh, she did more fundraisers than actual rallies for several months, and we all know uh, what happened. Joe Biden, we saw him last week uh, borrow Mitt, Rom- Mitt Romney's flip-flops, as you saw a status quo report. Uh, after supporting the Hyde Amendment for 30 years, the Hyde Amendment was uh, is basically a ban on federal funding for abortion. He lickety-split, lickety-split. Um, He changed his uh, evolution. He changed his position on the Hyde Amendment in 48 hours. And I was talking to somebody who's, you know, a little bit gives a little bit more of the uh, benefit of the doubt to establishment people. And they were like, well, Bernie voted for the Hyde Amendment, too. Yeah, Bernie voted for the Hyde Amendment because it was snuck into a bigger package uh, where there was a lot of good stuff in. But Bernie was adamantly against the Hyde Amendment and said so at the time. Joe Biden was for the Hyde Amendment this whole time. And again, the Hyde Amendment, if you don't know, bans federal funding for abortion. And if you also don't know, this was Joe Biden in the 1970s saying, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. So I don't know, folks. I mean, some people might say, oh, he evolved. That was in the 1970s. But I don't want somebody as president who at any time thought a woman, a woman should not be the sole person deciding what's right for her body. Okay. So now you have a political story and Politico in general uh, is terrible and they do hit pieces on Bernie, but they definitely know the establishment pretty well. And uh, Politico is reporting that Joe Biden's strategy is basically to run in an alternative party than the one that the Democratic Party actually is. He brags about his ability to get along with Republicans. He's not in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's good graces. His campaign has sent mixed messages on climate change and abortion funding. It seems like Joe Biden is running for the nomination of a different Democratic Party than the rest of his rivals, because he is. From his schedule, his messaging, to policy positions, the former vice president is carving a divergent path through through the primaries based on a theory that few of his rivals appear to believe but the democratic base isn't nearly as liberal or youthful as everyone thinks oh my god oh my god it's a high risk strategy at a time when energy when the progressive wing is pursuing excuse me is pulsing with energy there's a danger of looking disconnected from the rising obama coalition or seeming to adhere to an outdated view of the party but so far it's working since his april 25th launch despite talk that his polling numbers would slide once he entered the race because he was out of st- touch with the current party mood, Biden has led in, av- in every national survey. Well, he's been dipping the last week, but let's not report that. He sprinted out of the gate with a post announcement six point bump and still leads in recent early state polls. Quote, He is keeping his eye on becoming the nominee. And the more important thing, if you do become the nominee, you have to win the Electoral College in places like Pennsylvania and Ohio, said Jim Mauer, who ran veterans issues in Iowa for Biden's 2008 presidential race. If you're only speaking to a specific group in the Democratic Party, those things are not going to be appealing to the general electorate. Oh, how wrong these people are. How wrong these people are. Quote, the fact of the matter is. Is the vast majority of the members of the Democratic Party are still basically liberal to moderate Democrats in the traditional sense. He told reporters in early April. That was Joe Biden said that the idea that all of a sudden the Democratic Party woke up and, you know, everybody asks, what kind of Democrat are you? I'm an Obama Biden Democrat, man. I'm proud of it. Oh, God. Stupidity. The stupidity of Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. First of all, first of all, forget the Democratic Party for a second. Polls show that socialism is outpolling capitalism. Are you with me? Polls are showing that socialism is outpolling capitalism. Currently. And Joe Biden thinks that the Democratic Party is still moderate? Are you serious? Polls show that Medicare for all is polling at 70%, 80-something percent among the Democratic Party. But Joe Biden is running a campaign and essentially wants you to vote for him under the guise that there is this elusive moderate Democrat, even though there is no such thing anymore as a moderate Democrat. You know what a moderate Democrat is called? A Republican. Centrism is an illusion. It no longer exists. And all you got to do is go through the polls where not only Democrats are further to the left, but Republicans are further to the left. So apparently Joe Biden is running for president, in his mind, in 1996. You know, this is the old theory, you know, Chuck, Chuck Schumer said in 2016, for every, for every uh, blue-collar Democrat we lose in Pennsylvania, we're going to get two moderate Republicans. How'd that work out? So Joe Biden, Joe Biden actually thinks he's actually wrong in two ways, in two ways, count it. He's wrong in the first way of thinking that to win the Democratic Party nomination, you have to be moderate. That is not true. The only reason that Hillary Clinton won the Democratic Party nomination in 2016 was, first of all, it was rigged for her. I don't think she won Iowa. I think there's mathematical evidence that they rigged it for her. Bernie Sanders was down one-tenth of one point. There was other states that were wildly close for Bernie Sanders, who had no name recognition. Uh, But more importantly, the tide was just beginning to turn, this anti-establishment, anti-centrism, anti-neoliberalism. And we've seen it in 2016 go from Bernie Sanders winning 23 states, 13 million uh, votes, to now, I mean, every every single... Democrat, has basically cheated and copied Bernie Sanders' whole platform. Why? Because they're reading the polls. The party is to the left. So these centrist moderate voters are no longer, you know, for things like, uh, oh, let's tinker for Obamacare. No, they want Medicare for all. You know how we know this? You saw Bernie at a Fox News town hall. A Fox News town hall. And the audience, not exactly like, you know, communist progressives uh, raising their hand for Medicare for all. But Joe Biden, his strategy, besides campaigning every other week, besides doing zero interviews, besides, you know, changing his position every 48 hours based on when the wind blows, is to try and play to that elusive moderate Democrat. Well, let me ask you a question. If That elusive moderate Democrat, if that's who Joe Biden thinks he needs to get to beat Trump in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, and uh, Michigan, Trump did not win the centrist moderate Democrats. Trump won actual liberals. He won by actually proposing progressive economic free trade, uh, excuse me, repealing NAFTA, and uh, reigning in free trade—that's not a moderate to centrist position. That's progressive. That's to the left. Trump was Trump was out most of the Republicans and those blue-collar workers in the Midwest. They weren't voting for Trump because he was moderate. They were voting for him because he was feeding to them, besides a bunch of BS. They he was feeding to them progressive to the left lip progressivism. So. I just don't understand this this ridiculous notion of to be to be electable in those states because this campaign and this election is going to be decided again in those Rust Belt states. You're playing to non-existent moderates. No, Trump won because he he was offering it was B.S., but he was offering progressive populism. He said, no more war. We're going we're going on our own progressive. He said, I'm going to repeal NAFTA. I'm, I'm bringing back the jobs. We're going to re- reopen your plants. Progressive. Populist. Yeah, the tax cuts and this and that, but that's people, the people in the Midwest, by the way, 10% who voted for him voted for Barack Obama. 10% of Trump voters voted for Barack Obama. Were those the moderate centrist Democrats they're talking about? It's, it's this, The strategy is crazy and it's absurd. And honestly... It's not just Joe Biden, because this is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's strategy, too. Nancy Pelosi has continually said, hold the center. What center? You're talking about not actual voters. You're talking about hold the center, meaning let's continue to be neoliberal and Republican light so we can keep cashing those checks, baby, from Wall Street, from fossil fuel companies, from big pharma, real estate developers, and all the rest. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up. Quote, there's a big disconnect between the media narrative and what the primary electorate looks like and thinks versus the media narrative and the Twitter narrative, said one Biden advisor who declined to speak on the record. Quote, the Democratic primary universe is far less liberal. It's older than you think it is. Oh, my God. So basically, you're running Hillary Clinton's campaign. This is Hillary Clinton's campaign that they're running. Like, to the letter of the law. This is Hillary Clinton's campaign. They have, they're, they're playing to some delusional center that no longer exists. And they're not worried about grassroots support. They're, they're playing to big dollar fundraisers instead of small dollar donations. They're barely doing events. I guarantee you this summer, like Hillary Clinton did... Joe Biden will do more fundraisers than events. And one of the reasons that Trump won, besides the $3 billion in free advertising they got, was he did more events than any other candidate. He did way more events than Hillary Clinton, particularly in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. So let me get this straight. Joe Biden is going to run the same campaign as Hillary Clinton. They're not gonna play to the progressive base if he got the nomination, he'll probably pick a centrist as his vice president. So basically, Tim Kaine 2.0. He's courting Republican donors, which Hillary Clinton did. He's doing more event, more fundraisers than actual um, events. Hillary Clinton did that for a good stretch of time, and and their mentality is to straddle this line, play to older voters not play to progressives because he's underestimating the true strength of the progressive base and delusionally, delusionally think that he's going to get Republicans that voted for Trump to vote for him. This is the strategy. And you know what that looks like, folks? Sorry, I love doing this. A slow-moving train wreck with Joe Biden as the conductor. I mean, this is a train wreck waiting to happen, folks, when he loses. I want people to remember this. I want people to remember this live stream because I'm telling you right now, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it that Jimmy Dore is to blame. I don't want to hear it that Status Quo is to blame. I don't want to hear it that anyone is to blame. But the idiots running the Democratic Party and CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times for propping up this man. And I gotta say something else. I gotta say something else. Somebody else brought up Elizabeth Warren. Let me tell you something, and I might get in trouble for this, but I'm just gonna tell you what I think. If, if Elizabeth Warren was running against Donald Trump, I would vote for her without even thinking. Uh, I think some of you are crazy. Uh, do I love Elizabeth Warren? No. Is there something she's done that I don't like? No. But Elizabeth Warren is not a lesser of two evil situation. She is progressive on economics. Putting that aside, uh, I think Elizabeth Warren is really hurting Bernie right now. I think she's pulling away a lot of his votes. You could say, well, so what? Be- you know, she, she has strong policies. She's very specific in her policy proposals. And she is entitled to run just like Bernie is. Completely agree with you. The problem is she's not going to win, uh, I-, I feel. I think that Elizabeth Warren's chance was in 2016, I think she blew it. I think Elizabeth Warren, if she remains nationally, you know, single digits, nine to 10%, if she does not get, if she does not get a bump out of these first few debates, I'm not saying she should immediately drop out, but you have to start wondering if you're Elizabeth Warren, if you're still gonna remain after the next few months, single digits or low single digits, if you cannot, if you, uh, right now she's right behind Bernie in Iowa, but let's say Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, she remains third place or, or fourth place. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think it's the progressive thing to do. If you, if, if you really want a progressive vision of America to go through, I'm speaking about Elizabeth Warren to stay in this race. Uh, Marcus, who's our new reporter, which uh, definitely, definitely, definitely become a status quo member. Uh, Right now, we can't keep Marcus past two months. So we got to grow that membership. We'll get into membership in a little bit. But I think Elizabeth Warren is is pulling at least six or seven percentage points away from Bernie Sanders. Now, I don't think she should just step aside and, you know, go vote, you know, go support Bernie. Uh, She's entitled to put her policy positions out there. She's certainly entitled to, you know, be in the debates and all that. But at the end of the day, Bernie has been the most consistent one. Bernie has done the hard work. Bernie, not only in 2016, but has barnstormed the country for the last three years. Elizabeth Warren did not. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, for the most part in the Senate, has done a lot of has done a lot of viral uh, moments where, you know, she's. Yelled at bankers and things like that. I I like those moments. I've shared them. She, of course, was the impetus behind the Consumer Financial uh, Protection Bureau, and she deserves credit for that. But at the end of the day, I mean, I would think if you're a progressive uh, and you see you don't really have a shot to win the nomination, you would drop out earlier than others because you are you are basically taking away uh, valuable uh, points from Bernie Sanders and basically splitting, splitting the Democratic vote to help somebody like Joe Biden. So, you know, I want to be careful because obviously she has a right to uh, run. She's a United States senator. She is progressive economically. I don't love her positions on other things. I think she's been missing in action on a lot of important things like Standing Rock, obviously not endorsing Bernie in 2016. Uh, But when I look at these polls, it just seems like it's redundant. Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are for the same exact things. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's policy proposals. I mean, if you look at Bernie's proposals versus Elizabeth Warren, there's not a lot of daylight. So it seems to me that at at a certain point, it comes down to ego. Elizabeth Warren wants to be president. Bernie Sanders wants to be president. Uh, But can you imagine Elizabeth Warren uh, uh, or Bernie on the same ticket, whichever way you slice it? I mean, I think they would crush Donald Trump. But I really hope uh, Elizabeth Warren, and I'll be called sexist, like, oh, Jordan's telling the woman to step aside. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, for the most part, she has seen an increase in the polls, but she's still significantly behind in national polls. There's Biden, and then there's Bernie. And as I've reported here on Status Quo, the polls are very, very suspect because they are wildly oversampling older voters. So when you look at polls that have a more even distribution as far as age— Bernie's only down to Biden nationally, like seven or eight points. That's nothing at this stage. Uh, while Joe Biden uh, continues not to campaign, continues to sit at home and do God knows what, uh, continues to do fundraisers with Comcast. Now or, now reports say they're organizing a fundraiser with him from Goldman, Sa- with Goldman Sachs. I mean, this man is so out of touch. It's unbelievable. Well, Bernie Sanders, I mean, honestly, I'm starting to worry about Bernie. I don't know about you, Jen. I'm starting to worry about Bernie. I don't know where this man has this energy. I mean, it's like he's like, uh, you know, a, a superhero. One day he's he's picketing with, um, one day he's picketing with Walmart workers. Then he flies to picket with McDonald's workers. Then he tucks in with Verizon. I mean, where is this energy coming from? I hope he doesn't crash. So, Bernie Sanders was uh, on on the on the protest line yesterday with McDonald's workers which I'm telling you, this is the way to get votes. Be on the street, on the ground with the people. It's, it's pretty much the same strategy we have as a media company. Get on the ground with the people. That's how people know who you are. That's how people become attracted to you. That's how people get inspired by you. And that's how people, in Bernie's case, will vote for you and donate, and in our case, become members. So Bernie also found the time, which I love, to remind the American people that Jeff Bezos is an economic terrorist. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. This is what oligarchy looks like, he tweeted. Amazon used its enormous wealth and power to kill attacks to build affordable housing in Seattle. One year later, thousands of people live on the streets and the city continues to struggle with the crisis. And he tweeted to a story that I'm about to read to you. And for those of you Status Quo members, you remember a couple weeks ago, Jen, myself, Ty, we were in Seattle as the only national media, the only national media on the ground there covering, it's not a crisis folks, it's an epic catastrophe, what's going on in Seattle. And if you live in San Francisco, you know what I'm talking about. If you live in Portland, you know what I'm talking about. If you live in Los Angeles, you know what I'm talking about. Ty's about to do an interview in LA this week about the exploding homeless situation increase in homelessness year over year in Los Angeles. He's going to be on the ground doing some interviews there. So Seattle, we got there. I mean, Jeff Bezos and the Amazon balls are in the center of downtown and everything around is just homeless people. And it's not like, you know, this, this stereotypical image of like a drunk, you know, sleeping on the streets. It's you and me, normal people that cannot afford to put a roof over their head in Seattle. Living on the streets. Uh, I want to read a story to you so you know just the dire straits that the people of Seattle are in. The wine was flowing as a group of Seattle's business elite gathered at Bar Cotto, an Italian restaurant in the city's trendy Capitol Capitol Hill neighborhood, where the menu features an expansive selection of salumi and pizzas topped with truffle oil or or Calabrian chili. Mm, The topic for discussion how to solve the region's intractable homelessness crisis. The usual ideas came up. Donations to charities, tax code tweaks. Then Dilip Wagle started talking. The senior partner at McKinsey & Co. had written a report saying the city needed to double its spending to provide the roughly 14,000 additional homes needed for people who couldn't keep a roof over their heads. Philanthropy wasn't enough, he said, according to attendees of the November Function. A lot more money was needed. The exchange underscored an impasse that's persisted in Seattle a year after Amazon and other companies beat back a city effort to raise money for homeless services through a tax on larger employers. So if you don't know what they're talking about and as we reported on the ground when we were in Seattle a couple weeks ago, thanks to you and your membership got us to Seattle, basically because Amazon And the coding and software engineer jobs and tech jobs that have come in are mostly six-figure salaries. Amazon, uh, excuse me, the rent in Seattle over the last five years has gone up 70%. Yeah. No, no, I didn't say like in the last 20 years, five years, 70%. So it's not just Amazon. You got Boeing, Microsoft, other Silicon Valley type companies. So because of... You know, I'm not blaming coders. I'm not blaming all tech workers. Amazon workers, they, you know, they went to college, I guess, or they work hard and they have skills. It's not their fault. But because of these jobs and because the high salary jobs, because Washington state has no actual income tax. So you think of Washington and Seattle as very progressive, but the state is very regressive when it comes up to, when it comes to um Taxes. So basically, native people, like actual natives who live are from, from Seattle and from Washington State, they can't live there anymore. And not everyone, you know, has money to just get up and move, get up and move. Not everybody has a relationship with their family where they could fall back and go move in with their parents. So you have the street littered with working people who actually still work living in tent cities. And it's not like those tent cities are spread out from the nice places in Seattle. Those tent c- cities are immersed right in um, very nice, um, you know, gentrified new apartment complexes. You see it right next to it. And frankly, Amazon's economic terrorism, that's what I call it, uh, the city council, led by Shama Sawant, a socialist champion city council woman in um, Seattle, passed a head tax. And that head tax, was going to charge companies like Amazon $250 a head. And that was going to go towards more affordable housing and alleviating this homelessness catastrophe. $250 a head is like pennies to Amazon, which is a trillion dollar company. And you know what Jeff Bezos did? And I'm about to get demonetized, but I don't care. He kicked and he screamed and he Took hit, threatened to take his ball and leave Seattle, and the city council caved because they're all bought off by that f-ing economic terrorist, Jeff Bezos. I said it, and I don't regret it because that's what he is. And by the way, I am a hypocrite, and I'm okay admitting it. I did order this from Amazon because I needed it quick. This is the claw. This is the claw because I can't bend down. I'm a month removed from back surgery and I've been bending down too much and I've been hurting myself. So Jen was nice enough to order this on Amazon for me. But other than that, I'm not ordering from Amazon if I don't absolutely need to. Because let me tell you something. I do not believe, I do not believe that for progress in one area, you know, quicker, quicker um, delivery, and making life easier, and making life easy for everybody. I don't believe for progress in that area, we just say, well, you know, let's have a Hunger Games economically, and oh, that's too bad that, you know, people who live uh, in Seattle and San Francisco and Portland and Chicago and LA and Philadelphia and New York City, that's too bad. Hopefully, they could find somewhere they could afford. Darth Corey, $2 in the swear jar. Thank you. No. So, Jeff Bezos killed that $250 tax. And by the way, it would not would have barely made a dent in Amazon's bottom line. But it's not about the money. It's about the power. Because Jeff Bezos and Amazon and Walmart and corporate America, they don't want to give a f***ing inch. Because if they give a f***ing inch, they are, they are very afraid of the progressive movement. Why do you think Jeff Bezos, after Bernie Sanders went on a crusade against him, gave? Because... $15 an hour is pennies to Amazon, but he, didn't, he saw the movement growing. He saw that what he is doing and what Amazon is doing to its workers and this and that was starting to get a lot of national attention. And he did not want, he did not want uh, any more eyeballs on what he was doing. The exchange underscored an impasse that persisted in Seattle a year after Amazon and other companies beat back that city effort to raise money for homeless services, which I just explained. Many businesses argue that the solution to the challenge isn't more government spending, it's government spending more efficiently. Local officials, meanwhile, have failed to articulate a clear plan while facing a regressive tax system that limits how new funds can be raised. That's led to a divide that's left little room for action. Quote, it's all stalled said Daniel Malone, executive director of the Downtown Emergency Service Center, which provides supportive housing, health, and employment aid. Not only did the tax fail, quote, but I think the fight has kind of stalled out even the conversations of where to go forward. Chronic street homelessness in Seattle has become a constant reminder of civic failure in a progressive city that's thriving economically. Yeah, thriving for who, exactly? Who is it thriving for? Because it's not thriving for people from Seattle. It's driving for coders, software developers, and the rest. And I'm not knocking them. They work hard. They have skills. Good for you. But that does not mean everyone else should be kicked out or left to go sleep in a sleeping bag on the streets. Tent encampments are a regular site along highways and under bridges, while makeshift shelters have appeared in neighborhoods where homes regularly fetch more than one million. In March, a local news channel produced a controversial documentary on the issue called Seattle is Dying that attracted millions of views and spurred calls for more aggressive response. Big companies' relief efforts have largely centered on donations to nonprofits and aid to the mayor's office. Oh, so basically Amazon and these other companies, so they could make money and hoard money hand over fist, they're creating the homeless uh, catastrophe. They're perpetrating the economic catastrophe. terrorism. And then for the problem they created, they're so giving to charity. You see how capitalism works? You see how capitalism works? It's a racket. It's a racket. So I want to, I want you know, I'm worked up now. I'm, I'm getting a little hot and bothered, but I want to remind you, you as status quo members, and for those of you sitting on the fence, I'm about to show you what your membership, what your membership is going to. I want to remind you of the economic terrorism that Amazon is perpetrating. This was my interview with Shama Sawant that was able to happen because you guys are members and you guys membership is how we go in the field to cover the stories no one else is. Here's Shama Sawant on Amazon and the epic homeless disaster there.
1: Right. And I think I think everything you captured in, in that comment and question really is uh, goes to the heart of uh, the way the capitalist system works, which is that you can have a booming economy, and yet that booming economy is going to leave behind the vast majority of people, to some measure or another, some worse than the others. And so uh, what you see is a construction boom in Seattle, also a jobs boom in some ways. But uh, it mainly uh, is benefiting a small section of uh, society. And it's not only the billionaires that are benefiting. Obviously, they're taking home the lion's share of the wealth. But you do see tech jobs, and yes, absolutely, we want uh, good quality jobs for ordinary people. We want people to excel in maths and sciences and uh, really explore their talents. The problem, and this is the reason I'm a socialist, is that the problem with capitalism is that um, jobs are get created only as a means, only so far as they are a means for expanding, ever expanding the profits for. A small section at the top and who are we talking about our enemies are not the workers in the tech sector our enemies are Jeff Bezos Bill Gates Warren Buffett billionaires like that in fact those three billionaires own more wealth than the bo- entire bottom half of the US population that's the kind of system we're talking about and so that system is geared to rewarding people who already have immense amounts of wealth and so uh, Jeff Bezos gets richer every year, while we, the rest of us, get poorer every year. So you know but what you said about developers having the keys to the kingdom. Really, I think that's a metaphor for capitalism itself. Capitalism is a productive system, but the only people who have keys to the kingdom are the very the sliver at the top, and the rest of us have to struggle.
0: Oh, give me more Kshama Sawant. I love her. She's fantastic, 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 and she's correct. So what Shama Sawant is talking about is this, basically what she's talking about is the fetishizing, this fetishizing with business, that we need to prostitute ourselves as government and give Jeff Bezos and his ilk whatever the hell they want. Well, guess what? I'm in New York now, okay? And New York, an activist fought back and said, no, we're not giving you $3 billion in tax cuts. You're a, you're a $1 trillion company. We're not giving you a damn thing to come to New York. And, and guess what? He took his ball and went home. But now, very quietly, Amazon is shopping for office space in New York. So they're still coming without the goods. But no, the city council in Seattle, because they're bought off, yes, Amazon was pouring money into local city council elections giving it to city council members so those city council members would then kill a tax for them to pay to clean up the homeless mess. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And it's not just about Seattle. Yes, I'm talking about Seattle right now, but this is going on all over the country. San Francisco used to be able to uh, affordable to live. Not anymore. Portland, L.A., San Jose, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Cleveland. Milwaukee, I mean, the list goes on. Also, thanks to you being a member, we were also able to get a little bit more of a local perspective from this gentleman, John Burbank. Let's hear what he had to say about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. A lot lot of catering goes on for Amazon because they bring so many jobs. But the kind of jobs they're bringing, like we were talking about before we turned the camera on, is very, you know, high salary and good jobs. So no knock on those people who... Are experienced and software engineers or what have you, but it, it's kind of created a bit of a tale of
2: two cities here. Oh yeah, tremendous. It, and this is this is a new phenomenon. Um, it Used to be like twenty years ago, if there was a recession, you'd have an increase in homeless people, and then in a boom, you'd have a decrease in homeless people. But since two thousand ten, uh, the 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 homeless population has uh, probably increased by at least triple fold maybe four times. There are now more than 4,000 homeless kids in the Seattle School District. Uh, so that's like 8% of all children are homeless in the Seattle School District. So you have this uh, awful uh, phenomena, uh, which is really, I think, an outgrowth of the sort of corporate capitalism that we have, uh, where you have this tremendous increase in, in income and wealth, Uh, And side by side, you have a tremendous increase in homelessness and and destitution and hopelessness.
0: And, you know, really what the city council was trying, at least last year with this employer tax, like you said, it would have been kind of like to Amazon pennies, really. Yeah. But they fought, you know, with this is a tax on jobs and and workers and yada, yada, yada. So even though Amazon is bringing in all these jobs, it's kind of like. It seems like the rationale is, well, that's just the price of doing business. You know, some people are going to be displaced, but look at all the other benefits. Look at the restaurants and the bars and the shopping districts and all that.
2: Well, I think that the problem with American public policy in general is that rather than planning in advance, we're always trying to catch up with the development. And so we have the same situation here where – uh, traffic is really awful. Uh, we do not have a uh, a very good mass transit system, um, and we have not uh, the, the the city has failed to really keep up with the demand for um, livable housing. Right, and so um, as a result, you have a, a city where if you have money, you're going to do okay. Although you're going to end up waiting quite a while for your bus. <laughs>
3: um,
2: but if you don't have money, then you're probably going to be pushed out to the suburbs and spending you know, a couple hours a day, literally, maybe three hours a day, literally just commuting back and forth. It's a good part of your life. Um, and uh, Or uh, you may stay in the city and find minimal marginal housing, or you may be, frankly, priced out of your home And you become
0: homeless. Uh, uh, And you know know what the worst part of this is? You know what the absolute worst part of this is? After Jeff Bezos killed this tax that would have went towards alleviating the homeless process, left Seattle. Amazon is leaving Seattle. They're going to Bellevue, I think it is, which is giving them a sweetheart deal. You know what Amazon is, folks? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Amazon is the guy who courted you and wooed you and told you you're, you're, you're not like every other girl. You're so different. And you finally, you know, you, 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 whatever. You guys have a nice night together. And then the next morning, you know what the guy says? Oh, I got to go to the gym. And he's out lickety-split. And you never hear from him again. That's what Amazon is. And it's wrong and honestly going back to the beginning of this live stream where you know joe biden is running let's make america normal again well this is what america is this is america's normal people it's an economic hunger games and if you don't have the money or if you fall on hard times or if jeff bezos and his ilk come on into town you better you better pray you better pray that your parents will will bring you and your kids in, or you have friends that you could stay with. Because if not, it's a tale of two countries. It's disgusting. And Bernie Sanders is right. He is right. This is what oligarchy looks like. And if you never saw this, and again, We're trying to grow our membership so we could do more of these interviews. Here is uh, a homeless person who's working. It's a homeless person that's working. And part of why he does not want to go for a job interview is because if he goes for a job interview, when he gets back, his stuff will probably be stolen. Because this also happens quite a lot in uh, communities with a lot of homelessness. You you know, you can't leave your stuff because there's theft And people steal all sorts of things because people are desperate but now it's kind of like where do you go when the city's coming in trying to sweep people out
3: yeah it just sucks because like we've kind of we finally like gathered enough stuff and got enough things to where we like we've accumulated some nice things we have like a little home set up but now we're having to tear it all down and the biggest hassle is now that i have all this stuff accumulated and i have some nice things you know between me and my girlfriend Where are we going to put it? How are we going to get it from here to another spot without other people stealing it? You know what I mean? Um, Where are we going to set up? Is the spot that we set up and going to get, you know, are we going to get told to leave in a half hour's notice like we did at Green Lake or, you know, a week out from now? Are they going to come and, you know, sweep us again? And it's just a struggle because we don't know exactly where to go. If we knew where we could go and set up and have some ground rules established, you know, what I mean, and some criteria to follow, then, you know, we would like set a standard. Then we could, you know, set that goal and, you know, try and maintain a little community there. But it's just a struggle because, you know, it's one thing for us to try and police our own stuff. But when we don't have anywhere for sure, you know, what I mean, people can say, oh, well, screw you. You know, you don't own this area. You can't tell us how to do yada, yada, yada. And so it's just it's just a pain.
0: you feel like? The city of Seattle or the state are trying to actually help folks like you, or just kind of get rid of, get rid of homeless people.
3: Honestly, I feel like they're just trying to corral us in spots where they don't have to see us, or, or you know, throw us in jail if they can for whatever reason. You know, I think I think I think local law enforcement looks for whatever excuses they can to kind of throw us in throw us in jail, you know, and uh, to get us out of the way. And the rest of us, you know, they just kind of corral the different spots. You know, where people don't have to deal with them. Yeah. You know. uh,
0: So you've been at a couple other spots too, or this was your first spot in Seattle? The
3: second. This is the second spot I was at. Initially, I was at Green Lake. I was right on the water, and uh, nobody had hassled us. We kept it really clean and everything. Um, There was like zero garbage. It was just my girlfriend, myself, in our smaller tent. But uh, one day they uh, showed up. Everybody was putting bags out in front of our place they said you have a half hour to be out of here or we're gonna basically sick the cops on you and there was a uh, two squad cars and the cops were just kind of sitting at bay waiting for us to not move along quick enough and then they're gonna sick the cops on us
0: <laughs> And uh, kind of talk to me about your story uh, you're from a couple like a half hour away from here
3: yeah I'm, I'm initially I'm, fr- I'm from Yelm it's a few hours also here and uh, they have like zero resources out in Yelm but uh, Olympia, the capital is right near there, and you'd be surprised. I mean, for being the capital of the state, there's way more options out here than there is, as opposed to Olympia, you know, as far as resources. But um, I don't know what else you want me to say. And it,
0: it just seems to me like you drive around these communities and it's all like fancy new housing, yet right next to that fancy new housing and nice neighborhoods is like, just endless amounts of, of basically tent cities where people are homeless. Do you think that's in part because of businesses come here and Amazon has come here and all that and driven up prices to the point where people can't oh, yeah. live?
3: I mean, they got 12 freaking Google buildings down on the on the waterfront, you know what I mean? You see a couple of tents pitched out there even, you know? But um, I don't know, it's nuts because I mean, you see so much stuff out here and it's just surprising to me that they don't have something, like they have a couple little tiny house areas, you know what I mean? I'm surprised they don't have a certain area that. I mean they couldn't tell us that we could stay in and kind of police ourselves or whatever You know, I mean because there's plenty of room out here you know Mm -hmm. I just I don't I don't know (laughs) uh,
0: what's your story did you just like fall on hard times a couple years ago or how'd you get into this situation
3: Um, I was actually in an apartment and um, I was I was uh, asked to leave because I was um, I was arrested on the property and that's my own fault you know I could have made different choices but I made the ones that I made and it ended me up uh, being homeless again. And there's just nowhere out in Olympia for us to go besides, you know, shelters where they clearly they won't let us be together, you know, in a shelter because we're not married. And um, so we came out here just because, I mean, there's a lot more of us out here that are doing the same thing. And it's cool to get a, a group of people with the same, you know, the same things going on and with, you know, they respect the same things and want the same things for each other. You know, so like, wherever we move, we're just gonna keep basically my buddies, my girlfriend and I in a tight little group. And so that we don't have to worry about people, you know, being little bedwetters and leaving all kinds of garbage and needles and stuff out and, you know, watch our own stuff. And a lot of the problem, I guess, was that the crime rate went up since we've been out here, which is probably true, you know? Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm just hoping that if it's just our own little group and we're not out car prowling and stealing shit and, you know, looking like a bunch of junkies leaving crap all over the place. Hopefully they'll let us stay put wherever I find us, you know, to go next.
0: That's America. That's America. That's your booming economy. Booming for who is the question.